Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Shift Show, where my number one goal is to give you tools, ideas, and the latest science to help you change gymnast lives. Today in the podcast, we are rocking and rolling along with part four uh, of this kind of exploration into the gymnastics culture cure, which is the new book that I wrote and put out this week. And so what I wanted to do is just kind of keep highlighting the things inside the book that I think are most important. And each day uh, that this podcast series has come out, it's been focusing on one of the chapters. So we first started on the self-discovery phase. The second part was on, okay, how do we make some changes to our personal life? that help us bring the best version of ourselves into the gym we're working at. The third was about, you know, how do we actually form some of the cultural base of around trust and communication and all that kind of stuff. And then all that leads to, I guess, when we have a good bedrock of culture with like coaches, parents, medical providers, everyone's kind of rocking and rolling on the same page. We've established some of those baseline foundations. The next most important thing is to talk about the athlete foundations. Because all of these things that we do in gymnastics doesn't matter if the gymnasts themselves are not a part of it, right? No no gymnast, no sport, no gymnastics, no career that any of us have. So it's really important that the cultural step we take next is, is talking about what do we need to do to teach the athletes to take care of themselves and have really, really good uh, mission towards what they want, right? And I personally find when I talk to people whether it's on the medical side or it's in consulting work, a lot of the biggest uh, headaches or the sources of their problems, the root level issues going on when they talk to me is that there's no communication and there's no alignment of goals, right? Like there's been a drift in what the coach wants versus what the gymnast wants versus what the parent wants, right? Maybe the kid grows up and when they're 12 years old, they're starry-eyed, they watch college in math six, it's all exciting, but then they get 14, 15 and their goals change. So yeah, just uh, we want to make sure that everyone is on the same page and that starts with really good communication from the last the last uh, discussion we put out on chapter three. And so we want to start with really clear aligned goals. We want to be able to have those talks really, really well. And then after that is the next piece of it, which I think a lot of people are, are curious about, which is how do we develop mental and emotional and physical preparation to, to be safe in the sport of gymnastics and, and reach common goals that we all have, right? So what are we doing to help athletes really understand mental and physical and emotional preparation is sometimes challenging and sometimes not the most exciting part of gymnastics, right? They oftentimes just want to do skills and kind of hit routines well and be excited or, or move up. But we have to remember that the baseline level of stuff with physical and technical and emotional preparation is what forms our ability to then go on to the harder things. And so a lot of the exercises that we talked about in chapter one or podcast one and two, we're actually going to revisit one more of an athlete development level about like, okay, like well, in gymnastics, like what things are the most challenging for you? What things are the most uh, scary for you? What things provoke fear in you? And why do those things happen? And I often say that this is probably good to do along with some sort of like mental health provider or, or mental counselor. But oftentimes the things that they have fear with are, are gymnastics skill related or goal related. And so that's where the, the aspect of getting parents, medical and everyone together involved is, is really important for a holistic point of view. But just being able to have those conversations around like, what things are you trying to achieve? And then what things scare you about the pursuit of that or things are worry you with, you know, some people it's injuries, some people it's uh, a fear of failure. Some people it's like a certain goal. Some people it's the social pressure. It's competing. Like everyone has a different thing. And we have to realize that to help people uh, see their goals and find ways to reverse engineer them. We want to have like this kind of stepwise approach to, okay, like what is the big goal? How do we reverse engineer that down to smaller steps? And what can we do to build you a plan for that? And, and a lot of the tools in this chapter are my kind of 
you know, uh, what I found very helpful to help athletes understand the value of physical preparation and help them understand, you know, why they have to, to recover well and sleep well and manage their time to get the most out of gymnastics for what they say they want. And so a lot of the things, the tools in this chapter are about building those resources for people. It's about exploring those conversations with athletes and seeing like, okay, do we know the same goals? And if we have the same goals and you say that, how do we get you mentally and emotionally and physically prepared to stay safe in the sport, but then make progress towards those goals when the going gets tough? And then how do we also operate optimize your, your wellness and your, in your, uh, your kind of recovery and your, in your overall health in the pursuit of these goals. So we're treating you well and we're not breaking you down along the way when you'd say you have these goals. And so we end with kind of just talking about making an athlete wellness resource book for uh, parents and for coaches, people to kind of have and study, but then also how to really make a, te- a technical foundation be the, the focus of your program. So like, how do we develop really good techniques and really good basics? And what are the drills and skills and things like that we have to focus on? We want to make sure we explain those things and put those into practice. So they're like the center of our entire uh, our approach. So this, uh, this next one that's coming out, I think is a lot of what people really want to get to. But I think one, two, and three have to be listened to first to really understand that kind of stuff. So if you've enjoyed these little mini podcasts or you think this content is helpful in this podcast episode, I would really appreciate it if you just consider checking out the book that we put out against the Gymnastic Culture Cure. It's on sale this week for half off. And along with those who pick up the book are going to get a free access to a live Q&A with myself and Eva Shute. And then they're also going to get a free private lecture that we're putting out on gymnastic culture work for just this thing alone for those that kind of sign up this week. So down below in the show notes, there is a link or you can head on over to www.shiftmovementscience.com and just check the book out there. So hope you all enjoyed the podcast and hopefully enjoy the book as well. All right, so now that we've knocked out the first three, kind of doing personal development stuff in the first chapter and second chapter, and then the third chapter, which was podcast three, was kind of based around the basics of a culture. And if you haven't listened to those, I really recommend you go back because a lot of the stuff might be a little funky if you don't kind of start there. So um, first podcast, first episode, personal life stuff, developing all that kind of stuff. Second podcast, second episode um, was going to be more about the... Uh, kind of flip side of that, of improving things in your personal life. Third was more about trust, rapport, communication, cultural guidelines, operational guidelines, education systems, all that kind of stuff. That is really the the absolute basis for building a culture in gymnastics that is extremely high level, but is thriving. People are enjoying it. People are loving to be there. Without those things, when the personal life stuff's kind of funky and the lack of communication and trust is there, that's where you see the the culture kind of fall apart. And so with those first three, in this next one, it's it's based on the workbook that's going out this week. The Gymnastics Culture Cure is kind of live now, is that we're talking about chapters of the book to kind of offer more context, offer more specific uh, help and guidelines to people about what kind of is going on and what they can do. And in this chapter, it's really about the athlete foundations, right? So gymnastics is, is based around athletes, right? Like that is the person who we're really there to serve and to help. And of course, in the first couple uh, episodes and chapters, we talked about Yes, personal life is really important and we want to bring our best version of ourselves to the gym, but without the athletes, guys, it doesn't happen, right? Like without gymnasts actually doing gymnastics, like this whole thing isn't really happening, right? Like there's no sport. There's no reason for us to have a job to be there and to work as a coach or to be involved as a parent or kind of be there as a medical provider. So really as much as we can possibly do to help the athletes have a base around being productive and being healthy and being, uh, I guess the word I'm trying to look for is like really effective with their daily practices and competitions. Like you have to take time to teach them about the things that matter the most, right? The things that are the basis of their career and why they're in gymnastics. And so we're going to parallel some of the things that we did in our personal development stuff as great exercises to help them understand their goals and things that they're working through and things they're worried about. So the first thing that I think 
if I could, if I could have again find a common denominator of the things that I see the most programs struggle with, with with rough cultures who are not having the great performance, I, I think that that first layer of trust and communication and guidelines from the last podcast in chapter three is without a doubt the most uh, impactful thing. I, that that's what erodes the most cultures I see time to time. Okay, the second most common way that I see things fall apart is when there is a clear lack of alignment in goals. And what I mean by that is this is more on the medical side. I see this quite a bit. Sometimes it happens, you know, with my past coaching career and stuff, but most in the medical side is the example I'll give is somebody comes to me and let's say they have an injury. They, uh, they broke their ankle, right? They rolled their ankle, freak accident, whatever. So I'm with a parent, I'm with an athlete, I'm with, uh, oftentimes a coach is involved to either email or in person, or someone is trying to understand the situation better. And so I talk to the athlete and I say like, all right, we'll fix the ankle. It's all good. We'll get back. But like, what are your goals? Like, what do you, what do you want to get back to? And before the athlete can <laughs> share, the parent jumps in and says, well, she's got states coming up. So we're trying to get back to that. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Uh, kind of want to ask her. And so the parent just continues and maybe they're well-intentioned. I love it. But the parent is kind of like jumping in and they're saying like, well, she's got this goal of state and she has to make this thing. And then she's going to make regionals nationals. And, you know, we've got colleges looking. And so she's got to get recruited for that. And, um, you know, just like birdie in my ears chirping about like, Hmm, I wonder if these are whole, her goals too. And so this doesn't always happen, but sometimes, you know, I'll go through things and we'll parent will kind of step away and, you know, we'll start our treatment session or whatever. And I kind of I'm like, yeah, so like, what, like, what do you want to do? And like, ah, you know, like, I used to love college gymnastics when I was little, like when I was 12 and I'd go to the meets and it was great. But like, I don't know, I kind of just like hanging out with my friends and like, you know, enjoying level eight or level nine. Like I don't, it's just so hard. And like, I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. Have you like talked to your mom about this? Like, yeah. Like I talked to her a couple of times, but like, I don't know. She doesn't really kind of seem to get it. And like, I talked to my coach about it too. And he's just kind of wanting me to keep doing these high level skills and it's just weird. So I don't talk about it. And I'm like, okay, we have a problem here. We have, you know, a gymnast who's their goals have clearly changed from two or three years ago when they were 12 and a parent who still thinks that college is the goal and a coach who is just kind of like caught in the middle. is <laughs> just trying to do the best that they can. So I don't think anyone's fault is here, right? It's not like anyone's doing anything wrong. It's just like, there's a clear lack of communication, right? Back to chapter three, which is like, if goals have changed, you need to know that <laughs> you need to know that and you need to understand it because the timeline for getting back after an injury or having a certain skill or kind of like moving up in some team is, is oftentimes very much prescated on the goal. So like if the goal has changed and we don't have the same thing we did with two years ago, then we need to know that. And so oftentimes when I'm talking with, uh, there's many times as a, a at a college level, I can bring this example up. It's like, I'll get hired for a con, uh, consulting contract for a couple of visits and I will spend an hour or two with the, uh, the gymnastics coaching staff. I'll spend an hour and two with the medical staff. I'll spend an hour or two with the strength and conditioning staff and then an hour or two with the gymnast. And man, I can tell you the culture and the programs that I've worked with that are really good about aligned goals and they communicate well and they have that trust and rapport. Every time I sit with a different group in the same team, they all say the same things. They all have the same goals. This is the goal we have. This is what we want for the athletes. We want healthy athletes that are happy, highly performing, and we also want to try to win this uh, championship. We want to get this team score or hit, you know, whatever amount of percentage of meets or whatever. It's like fluid, man. They can finish each other's sentences. The programs that I've worked with where it's either new people are involved or the vibe is not good or something's going on is like, what the coaches say they want versus what the medical staff says they want versus what the athletes say they want is it's definitely moving in different directions. And so the summary here is that you need to have systems in place that you clearly outline 
the systems of goals, right? The the approach to goals. And, and the joke that I, I always had with people is when I was asking athletes what this was, we had this running joke of like for real talks, like, and the, the, that's an air quotes for reals and air quote, because it was like a, almost like a little bit of like a hint like we have this card we can pull out and we feel like, you know, we're not really dealing with the real issue around your goals or what you want, or have to have a hard conversation. And we're just not dealing with it. And like, I'd pull someone aside and, you know, an athlete I'm working with and they're frustrated or something's not going well, or a lot of anxiety for some reason leading up to a meet. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, listen, like for real, like, what are you okay? Like what's going on here? Like for real, for real, because you're blowing up right now and this is not going well, right? We're trying, this is not happening. And what I'm trying to essentially allude at with that conversation is like something is deeper going on here around like a problem you're having or like goals or something like that. And if we want to actually have a shred of hope of dealing with it, we need to talk about the real issue. Like the problem is not the straddle back. The problem is that you're terrified of states coming up and you haven't gotten your routines yet. And you're worried that, you know, the pressure is on you from parents or me or you or yourself or whatever that like, you have this goal that is no longer a huge thing for you that has changed and you're scared to tell me about it. And so like, if you don't want to go to level nine and you don't want to go to college and whatever, like that's fine, but just tell me about that. Cause like we can work through it, but like you not saying it and it always goes back to like, well, I don't want to let you down and this and that, or like I worked so hard or I've put so many years in the sport and it's like, okay, listen, like we can, we can deal with this, but like for real, for real, we got to talk about this. And so in the book, I try to really offer a framework for people to have that conversation of, you know, what are the topics, maybe three topics in your gym related to goals, right? Or like how to have these goal setting conversations or like how to have good alignment of goals that you need to actually talk about, right? Because in that situation in the medical thing, it's like, okay, if we don't talk to the parent about, you know, the changing of goals or the parent doesn't talk to the kid in their own personal time, this is all kind of a wash and it's gonna be really hard to make progress. So we have to start with really good aligned goals. The second piece of this is once we have a clear set of goals. And I'll say that sometimes it changes for the positive too. Someone's like, I used to not want to go to college gymnastics or not go to level eight or not do high school gymnastics or not do adult gymnastics. And now I do. And that changes for the goals and the positive. That's okay too. We can do that as well, as long as everybody knows. And then the next absolute layer to this for athletes to be successful is not what is the best drill? Like that's coming down the road. Don't get me wrong. Like the best Yurchenko drill is coming down the road, but it's about mental and emotional preparation. Like does a person working in the sport as an athlete have the skill sets and the tools required to manage fear and anxiety and challenge and delayed gratification and discomfort and work, right? Like that is the basis of all sports, but also gymnastics in life is like, you have to know how to deal with fear. Gymnastics is hard and it is scary, right? It's wonderful. It's amazing. I love it, but it is terrifying sometimes. And so like, does a, you know, small developing boy or girl know how to properly cope with and manage fear. And that fear is okay. And fear is normal and mental blocks are normal and it's okay to get frustrated. It's okay to get upset, but like there are ways to work through this. Okay. Back to the lens of personal life of, we are not going to be someone's therapist, obviously, but like you should understand as a coach, the tools and the skill sets that athletes need to deal with these things appropriately. Like how do you, how do you manage frustration? How do you manage emotional letdown when you don't do well at a meet? How do you uh, get back on the horse and get back to drills and, and analyze what went wrong and what skills you need to work on? How do we help somebody slowly and safely get back to a skill they got hurt on? Like these are really important things as a coach and a medical provider and a parent you need to understand and help educate the athletes on what they're doing. Okay. So that is part of the process here is the next layer after we have aligned goals is not the best 14 exercises for ab strength, it's do you have the mental and the physical, sorry, the mental and emotional capabilities and tools 
to properly handle this challenging sport and, and be able to do it for the long haul. Because if you want someone to reach their goals, they have to stay in their sport for multiple years and have multiple days and multiple hours where they're willing to work hard, delay gratification, put in the grind work, all that kind of stuff. I personally feel it's way more mental and emotional than physical. Of course, it's physical. We'll talk about that next. But that is the next thing. And I really think this is where we start to pull in other professionals. Are there mental health people? Are there you know, uh, psychologists? Are there uh, sports performance coaches? Are there people in your atmosphere who have these skills? They know the evidence-based research ways to deal with this and they can help because they might give you a world of insight and save you a ton of time. Maybe they teach you and you can use those skills on communication or fear or mental blocks or whatever, or maybe you are you know, bringing somebody in to talk about mental blocks. I don't know. There's a lot of examples here, but mental and emotional preparation really is the most important. And the exercise that I use with athletes is the same one that I use on myself, which is the latter, which is now it's in the context and the, in the view of, you know, gymnastics goals, but it's like in gymnastics, like what things bother you the most? Like what things are you the most scared of or the most afraid of? Like what things do you want to work on the most? And everyone is different here, man. It's so context specific for some athletes. Um, it's the fear of letting down themselves or or failure or disappointing their coaches, which, you know, you want to reframe that to be a personal thing. But for some people, like letting their team down is devastating, right? For other people, it's uh, competing in front of a crowd. It's massive competition anxiety, right? For other people, it's injuries, right? It's, it's the fear of getting hurt, which is a very real and rational fear. Um, for some people, it's, 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 you know, working really, really hard to meet some goal and letting themselves down by not hitting a score or making a team or whatever. So you outline the same ladder you used on yourself, but in the, in the language, in the context of gymnastics goals, what are those aligned goals you all have? And then, okay, now based on knowing your mental and emotional regulations, tools, and strategies, what is the the way to look at that ladder and descend down the deeper and deeper layers until you really understand with an athlete, one of the arts of coaching is understanding the different personalities, the different goals, and the different fears that people have and knowing that for one athlete, they're terrified of competition anxiety. And if you kind of like give them a, a pep up talk and a big rally right before their routine, it's going to actually break them. It's not going to be good. Instead, what that athlete needs is a calm, smoothing, chill, just like, Hey, we got this man. No problem. Like their personality requires a softer, calmer approach versus another athlete. They, the competition anxiety doesn't matter at all to them, but for them, it's actually just a real fear of failure. They're really, really scared. They're going to let themselves down their goal down. Like it's very hard for them to swallow that. And they actually love that kind of like rah, rah, cheer, cheer, go get them. And so for that athlete, you can talk about, you know, how just doing the work before and setting their goals up and, and executing every day is what they need to do to be successful. And they love that rah, rah. They love that cheer. They love that pump up. Like, Hey, you got this. Like, let's go. Like you work so hard for this. Like, let's get this right. Like that person needs that intensity. They love that. That, that is, that is two completely different people, <laughs> the two completely different people with completely different goals and completely different fears that trigger them on that ladder. So you need to understand as a coach, what those are as a parent, what those are as a medical provider they are, but also help the athlete understand that for themselves is they need to go through that same process of understanding the ladder and the fears, the insecurities and healthy coping mechanisms and things you can do to work on that, to be ready for those moments that kind of scare them the most. Okay. So those are the next things. Then after we get through that, I definitely agree. And I'm hardcore proponent that physical preparation is the absolute pillar of good gymnastics. And for me personally, I think there's a lot of information out there on what drills are great, what conditioning is great, um, what what prehab stuff is great, what cardio circuits are great. I don't think it's a matter of knowing. I think it's a matter of actually executing. And by this with the athlete foundations is 
actually getting buy-in, like actually, like actually helping, helping the athletes be motivated to do the hard work every day, like to show up to practice early, to do their soft tissue stuff and do their stretching, to put effort into their drills, to have really high quality basics, to do the late night conditioning when it's eight 30, they want to go home and they have homework to do. Like that is more, I think what is challenging with physical preparation and drills and stuff is not knowing what the drill is. It's having the environment, the relationship, the communication, the culture, the trust to put in that work as a group. And so for me, I think that the only way I have found to increase motivation and to increase, um, I guess, uh, efficiency at practice in a healthy way is to use a framework of figuring out from the first part of what their goals are and reverse engineer that down to why physical preparation and technique and drills matter. Okay. So this exercise that I offer in the book that I give people is macro micro daily. So for me, I want to understand the athlete's personality and what makes them tick and what their biggest goals are. So Go to an athlete and say like, okay, like what matters to you? Like, what really do you care about this? Like, I don't care about scores. I don't care about whatever. I want to be in the gym and have fun. And I want, I want to get a new vault. I want to get a new skill. I want this new vault. I want to flip a, I want to flip a Yurchenko in competition because I've always wanted to do it. And it's been a big goal of mine and I would love to do it. And it also helps me get up to the next level. Like, cool. Okay. We got it. So I then take that and I say like, okay, well, what goes into a really great Yurchenko? Like, what do you need to get a great Yurchenko? And they, they, you know, oh, I probably, I run fast, you know, um, I need a good block. Uh, and you know, obviously I got to land. So like, okay, we got that. So now what things do you think we need to do to make sure you can run faster? And they say, like, well, I probably need to do running drills. Like, good. <laughs> yes. Correct. What else? Um, I don't know. Plyos. You're like, yep, definitely. Some plyos and some spring. I'm like, okay. Like what else? Like the one, one big one you're missing. Like, um, leg strength. Like, yeah, right. You need a strong set of legs. If you're going to sprint max effort, hit a board and you also need really good shoulder flexibility and you also need really good uh, landing technique. You need to work on that. Right. And so what we need to do is work on that multiple days per week. Like we need to really get your legs stronger two or three days per week. We got to do some hard leg strength. If you want to run faster and your shoulders are a little stiff. So we got to work on that flexibility circuit that I gave you every day. If you want to have enough open shoulder angle to hit the table well and block for your Chanko. And if you want to land that thing safely and get a good score and move up or whatever safely and compete it as we agreed upon, um, you need to work those landing drills as well. And so you outline for them and you reverse engineer and make a roadmap. You paint a picture of how Yes, the the conditioning, the drills, the flexibility, the basics are not the most enjoyable, fun part of gymnastics, but they serve the goal of what they want to do, right? They serve their outcome, their goal they want. And it also is that mentality and that mindset, that emotional situation of delayed gratification. And I don't love this, but I'm doing it because I know it's part of my goal, right? And like that's how, it's the only way that I have shown meaningful progress and helping athletes be more motivated and show up and leading by example, like, you know, for physical preparation, like oftentimes I would do strength with the athletes. I would do sled pushes with the athletes. I would do rope climbs with the athletes, right? I'm definitely not doing it to their level because I'm not, you know, 15 anymore with peak of my athleticism, but I'm showing up, I'm doing the work, right? So between outlining what their goals are, and then back to trust and say do gap is showing up and having drills ready for them and showing up and having things that they're going to do and being fulfilled and kind of committed to helping them with their goals and, and being there for them, communicating about those kind of things. And then actually showing up and doing what I say I'm going to do along with maybe leading by example. That is how you get the most out of practice, right? It's not about yelling, not about punishment with conditioning. All that stuff's not going to work and it's very, very dangerous. It's about understanding the personality, understanding their goals, and then mapping out why those things matter for physical preparation and drills and basics that you have to do every single day. So that is really, really important. On the back of that, which I think is oftentimes missed, is teaching the athletes about how important recovery is and how 
those goals they have to make the most out of their progress, they do all the, the leg strength and stuff, is only good if they're practicing good recovery techniques. And this comes from both gymnastics and many other pro and elite sports I've worked in that the highest level, most well-performing athletes over multiple years, they take their recovery practices just as seriously as their workout practices. So the athletes that are doing that are, yes, they're showing up early. Yes, they're doing their soft tissue stuff in their prehab. Yes, they're doing the drills. Yes, they're doing the work. Yes, they're doing the conditioning, but they also are focusing on their sleep. They're also focusing on their mental health and managing their anxiety. They're also focusing on feeling themselves properly with food and snacks and water. They're also focusing on time management skills. They're also focusing on stress management skills because they know that the other half of the equation is what's going to allow them to adapt, to get stronger and faster and be better prepared for gymnastics meets or whatever else it is, right? The equation is not work plus work plus work plus work equals progress and adaptation. It's work, the optimal dose of work plus the optimal dose of recovery equals adaptation. That is how humans work. And so teaching athletes as much as we possibly can about recovery and about the health and wellness kind of things, mentally, physically, and emotionally is crucial. And the problem that I see here is twofold. One is that people don't work with experts. They think they know everything about everything and that's not true. It's impossible. You can't be a great you know, parent and a great nutritionist and a great mental health coach and a great gymnastics coach and a great physical therapist and a great athletic trainer, right? Like that's not how it works. So you need to understand the lanes in which you have expertise in and then delegate out or ask people for resources on the outside. And the second thing I see that is always uh, a big problem in toxic cultures is they only deal with problems when they come up head on, right? So like nobody ever talks about feeling well and nobody ever talks about the proper dosage of work or recovery until somebody is having an issue with food or until somebody has a body image issue or until somebody is doing whatever. Nobody talks about mental health and nobody talks about fear and anxiety until somebody has a mental block and now it's this awkward thing to dance around and Sarah over there is the one struggling. Like that's not the way to frame this. The way to frame this is there are a bunch of things that we need to make the best versions of ourselves and help you reach your goals. We need to work hard. We need to communicate well. We need to have good trust and rapport, but we also need to sleep. We need to fuel ourselves well. We need to roll out and do soft tissue stuff. We have to do prehab. It's all lumped inside this athlete wellness bucket, right? And that's how you need to view it is that all of these things should be resources that you put together in a book and you offer to people on the other side. So when somebody does come through your program and they start like, hey, here's a here's a booklet with all the things that we found that are really, really important. And here are the topics of things that commonly come up and we know you need to be successful on. And you need to make that resource. And I offer in the book the way to do that uh, and how to kind of get some free resources from us to do that. But you need to have that as a proactive solution based on working with experts and professionals and technique and stuff like that. So All right, and so the last thing in this chapter for four is really about mastering technique and basics and things like that. And so this is more of the tactical stuff, which is funny because you know now we're at the point where people think they had the problem, which was the best drills and exercises, Um, but there's actually more to it. (laughs) So in this situation, I think the problem is that people don't actually plan out and they don't purposely plug in the exercises that they have to do every day for basics or skills or drills. Back to education, you have to find the resources of people who are teaching really great technique and understand this from a high level. Then you need to find out how that applies to your gym and plug it in in very small dosage, right? Like the problem I see with teams is they go to a a clinic or a Congress or whatever, they get 94 drills, they come back, they add 94 drills into practice. They do all new drills, all new skills, all new progressions, new warm-up, new physical prep, and they throw so much at the coaches and the athletes that it's overwhelming and people just get exhausted and they stop, right? They do it for a week and then they just completely stop. So instead, what you need to do is you need to outline like, okay, like what are the most important things we need to fix? Like what are the key elements of this that we have to fix? We have to fix our shaping, we have to fix our kip-cast handstands, and we have to fix our 
board punching technique. I don't know. I'm just like making stuff up. Um, then you go and you say like, okay, well, where can we put these things inside of practice? Can we do it in the warm up? Can we do it in uh, basics on shaping? Can we do it on a side day for tumble track games? Like where are the spots we can map this out? Let's put one of them in for a week, just one. We're gonna do one for a week and see how it goes, right? You need to find the things that you need to work on. We need better round offs. The Uchenko turnover is not great. We need better, you know, punching off the board. Like I said, we need better kip cast handstands. Here are one or two drills that I can do for that. We're going to do one of them each warm up for a week and really hammer this one thing on technique until this is great. And there are so many amazing people out there, obviously like Nick and my, uh, Nick Ruddick and so many other great people online have phenomenal drills and skills technique. We have a bunch on shift, but the problem is not what drill the problem is where do we put it in a system right back to systems from chapter two and three where do we put this in a system to make sure that we're doing it every single day that is how technique changes that is how physical preparation technique changes right like by understanding the systems in which we can do them consistently to kind of get progress and meaningful change not just throw 39 Chanko drills at a kid and see how it works out so that is the last layer to this chapter on, on the athlete stuff, which is starting with alignment of goals, then working on to mental and emotional prep, then working on to understanding that it's really all about, you know, kind of getting that person to, to be disciplined around physical preparation, the, the, the grunt work they don't want to do through their goals that are aligned to it. Then we talk about some of those things on recovery and sleep and fueling and all that. We have lots of resources for that. And then we finally talk about technique. What skills do we need? What drills do we need? What are the circuits we need? You know, how do we execute them and operate them? That kind of stuff. That is the holistic package. The, the, the programs that I work with that are like absolutely firing in all cylinders, they have all of that figured out. They have all of that mapped out. They do that every single day. The ones that are dropping the ball, I think, and are getting frustrated with injuries or lack of technique progression or whatever, they don't have these systems in place. They don't have these things they're thinking about. They haven't worked through the exercises to really map out what do we need and how do we kind of get there. So they're just kind of like, you know, throwing stuff against the wall and hope that it sticks. And so hopefully that this podcast illuminates, maybe now we're getting into the technical stuff. Now we're getting to the things that matter most around physical preparation and all that. But you have to start with the the first three podcasts, the first three chapters. And if this has all been helpful for you, like I really do encourage people to get the book. Like I'm, I'm obviously trying to put out something that is useful and is helpful. We're trying to put out as much information on this as, as possible because there's just so many people who ask me about it. So you can get the workbook. It's it's very discounted cheap at this uh, this week we're launching it. And it's also coming with a free live Q&A with Eve and I that will come up in a couple months. And then it's also coming with a free uh, lecture that I'm putting out on culture that only you will get if you order the book and you have it. It's a digital download. So you can put it on your iPad. You can print out the templates. You can kind of do it over and over again. The index has the end, has like copies of all the blank templates. There's 25 exercises through all the chapters. And the end of the book has a bunch of blank templates that you can use on yourself or kind of redo or stuff like that. So my hope is that by jam packing all this information I've had the last 10 years into a book, it's easy to digest, has workable exercises, short chunks, also have a lecture, also have a Q&A, also have the resources printed out that people will really feel like they have the tools, the resources to make a meaningful change, to be happier, to not feel as burnt out, to feel better about their gym's culture or how to change it. So hope you all enjoyed this episode. We'll wrap this series up in the next one with uh, episode five, kind of talking about the larger big picture of the gym, kind of the, it takes a village approach of who do you have on board? How do you hire the right coaches? How do you work with parents? All that kind of stuff. So I hope you've all enjoyed this and uh, thanks for listening. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests you want to have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, 
just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful and that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.